Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Welcome back to Enlightened Empaths. Uh, we're really excited to share your stories, your comments, your questions today. We always love this show because it helps us realize how we're all in this together and that we really are all interconnected. So how are you doing, Samantha? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I just want to say for for new listeners, this is our monthly community connection show. So you can send in an email or you can message us on Facebook at our Facebook page if you have a question for the show or a story. And we are still collecting stories of dream visitations So please do send those and just put dream visitation in the subject tagline, and we will uh, hopefully share those with you on an upcoming show in in June. We've had several come in and they're just fantastic. They are. It's amazing how spirit will come through into the dream world and let us know that they're okay. I I love, love, love those stories. So today we're going to start with 2021 was such a hard year for me and my family. In March, my mother broke her hip, and in September, my brother very unexpectedly had a stroke and passed away 23 days later. A week before he had his stroke, my narcissistic and toxic sister allowed her equally toxic boyfriend to physically assault my teenage nephew. Through all the bad things, I was able to reconnect with my nephews and ex-brother-in-law who were not in my life because of my sister. Many lies were told by my sister, and she caused so much hurt to her birth family and the children she had. As an empath, I found myself shutting down much more because it's as though I'm feeling too much. A few weeks before my brother's stroke, I had these almost frantic thoughts that I was going to have a stroke. I've been wondering if that was a warning about my brother. In 2019, I had the same thoughts about heart attacks a few weeks before he called and he needed triple bypass. In 2013, a routine chest x-ray showed a spot on my liver. It terrified me. And then a few weeks later, we found out my father had liver cancer that he passed away from. At the same time, I'd wake up to the pictures falling off the wall in my room. Now I find myself near tears all the time and extremely depressed. And it came out of the blue. It's very different from grief. Lo and behold, the same nephew that was assaulted admitted to having depression and suicidal thoughts. Some of these experiences I've heard about with empaths, but not the physical experiences. Is this common? If so, how can I find ways to control these things? I understand the emotional part of being an empath, but is it common to feel things physically? Uh, first and foremost, you know that's a lot for anyone to go through, and, and you have our, our love and our compassion for how much you've had to work through with your family, and it's a lot of pain and grief and loss, so please know you're in our, our thoughts and prayers. And I think, yes, I, for a lot of us that are very empathic and sensitive, our body will be a real barometer to what's going on, not only with people that we love and care about, but it can even happen with people that you might be in proximity to at work or a friend calls you on the phone and you start to get an upset stomach. I think there's a lot of validity to what this person had written in about. Yeah, there really is. And to me, this is also an indication of natural healing abilities because so many people who are fantastic healers will have this experience. And I think this is a great 
reason for her to consider looking into learning a healing modality or trying to study and hone in on her intuition, but definitely to read some books on psychic protection so that she can learn how to shield and deflect any of this stuff. Because while it can be helpful to know that someone is going to have a health issue coming up or an emotional issue, it doesn't help you to feel, you don't have to feel it in order to intuit that or be able to help them. So learning some psychic protection techniques will enable you to know how to shut that off so that you don't have to experience that because it's, it, that's a lot. I don't, I've, I don't have that where I feel people's physical pain, but we've had many, many students, Denise, who have, and it takes a toll, doesn't it? It does. It really does. If you're working in a healing modality as a medium, a psychic, a seer, a, a energy worker, that can be an amazing tool to help you help other people. Yeah. And it can help you learn how to discern which feeling sensations and emotions are yours and which are others. Right. Okay. Our next question says, hello, ladies. I would like to begin by saying how much I enjoy your podcast. Well, thank you. I wanted to share with you and your listeners a beautiful sign that I received and ask a question. A few weeks ago, I was feeling very down over the loss of my parents, as well as other family members who had crossed over many years ago. On Wednesday, I asked those in spirit to send me a very specific sign that they were around me. I asked for a female cardinal and that she would come up to my kitchen window where I sit and have my morning coffee. On the following Sunday morning, as I was sitting at my counter having my morning coffee, a female cardinal flew up to the window, sat down on the ledge, and tapped on my window several times. She and I looked at one another for a few moments before she flew off. I was in awe of this beautiful sign from the other side. As far back as I can remember, I've always had very vivid premonition precognitive dreams. It has been through listening to your show, though, that I've learned about night workers. Sometimes my dreams involve me meeting with various people because they are struggling with something in their own lives and they just need a little guidance. Oftentimes, I am just giving them advice, while sometimes I just seem to be there for emotional support. There have been a few times where I've reached out to people who I've dreamt about so that I could share my dream with them. Every time I've reached out to these people, they've confirmed that my dream was aligned with what they were experiencing in their life. Often I have very clear and vivid dreams about different events that will usually end up happening within the days of my dream. Because of the accuracy of the dreams, I'm left wondering if I'm supposed to do anything more with the information I receive. Is there a purpose for these dreams? I often wonder if my intuition uses my dreams to express itself freely because in my waking hours, I keep my intuitive abilities very private. That's interesting. That's something I do see very, very common with night workers or soul travelers, people who tend to do work in their dreams. They'll continue their, their intuitive or healing work in their, in their dream state. And that is a common theme that if we feel that we can't express our intuitive self in our daily life, either from religious convictions or other people's opinions, or just the job we have wouldn't really uh, look kindly upon that. That intuitive expression that is innate in all of us, it will come out in other ways. And, and very often it will be through the dreams. In, in my experience with having these night worker dreams myself, I have found that there's really nothing I, I can do to uh, in, you know stop them or really enact on them. I think that our higher self knows what we're doing. And so when we travel in our dream state to help these people, to offer comfort, to give advice, or to share a healing energy, 
it's just that we're doing what we're here to do. Something that I have done, however, is when I wake up from a dream where I feel as though I've definitely traveled somewhere and I've helped someone who needed help, I will just continue praying for them. I will either just say prayers. Sometimes I will light a candle all day so that every time I walk past that candle, it's a reminder to keep praying. Sometimes I'll say a rosary. Um, sometimes it's a, if it's a very emotional situation, I'll set up a crystal grid for that person. And, and very often it's a person I don't know. So I'll just set the intention that this healing energy goes out to the person in, that I had dreamt about. But those are some things that I have done, and, and I, I hope that helps. And I think the questions of, is there a purpose? Very much so. I think it aligns with the second question of wondering if the intuition uses the dreams to express more freely, because it, this person mentioned they do keep their intuition fairly private and close to their heart in their waking life. and. It reminds me, you know, your subconscious, your connection with spirit will find a way to be expressed. And that's why some people, and I've, I've thought about this because someone recently asked me, I'm very intuitive. I'm very, I love this work. I'm doing this. Why don't I dream? Why don't I remember my dreams? And just as we're, we're speaking and as you were reading, I was wondering, I, maybe that person is expressing so that so much of that in their living life that they don't need that visualization or that re- they're still having that experience at night, but they're not remembering it. And this is vice versa of, you know, the person is, it's repressed, but it's still happening during the nighttime. Does that? Yes. Yes, exactly. That's a a tricky one. Do I tell people, do I share it? Do I, because I did that for a long time. If I had a premonition about some, something in someone's life or a strong feeling, that's a really safe way to bring it up if people may not be open is, oh, you know, I had a dream or it came, it popped into my head or you just make it very, a very acceptable way to express your, uh, your intuition because this person is obviously very, very, very connected. Yes. Yeah. And people are more receptive to hearing about your dreams rather than your, your inner premonitions. Right. Which is interesting because it's coming from the same place. I know. (laughs) I know. It's all language and labels, right? It is. Now, our next one says, I'm currently embarking on weekly intense therapy sessions that I just feel really pushed to do in the new year. It's challenging, truly psychoanalysis back to childhood and bringing up a lot of stuff that I guess I haven't dealt with. Regardless, I'm wiped out after every session, and I feel like I've been punched in the gut due to some of the stuff we bring up. Insecurities, memories, feelings of failure. Last night was a particularly challenging session, and I went to bed early and had trouble sleeping. Just particularly depleted, wondering if this is really doing any good. I had a dream that was very much a visitation where I knocked on the door and a male therapist answered, and we had an hour-long session. I told him how hard this work is, and he explained to me why it was important, and we talked through some things. My session with him ended, and we walked outside, and he got in his car, and I thanked him, and he smiled at me and drove away. Soon after, I woke up feeling restored and reassured that the work I'm doing is useful. And while I don't remember all the specifics, there were things he said and takeaways from his advice and wisdom that made me feel a lot better. My question is, Since we exist in both places, if we embark on therapy or a life mission or pursuit in the physical world, do we also do so on the other side? 
Or do we travel at night to have that work supported? All I can say is I felt a lot better waking up and I'm grateful to that therapist guide that reassured me. And it made me wonder, am I seeing a therapist in both places? My intuition is saying yes to all of those in the sense of we do have that duality of being in the physical and in the other realms when we shut everything down and or sleep or go into meditation or journey or do any of those things. We're going into that other place. But a lot of times solutions will come through our dreams or things will wake up. They always say sleep on it. That's an age old remedy. You're not sure what to do. Just sleep on it. And you wake up in the morning with such a clarity or direction or an understanding or the ability to make a decision you might have struggled with. Did you go somewhere in the middle of the night without even realizing it that helps you process all of those clues and cues and and situational impacts that you had to really needed to get more of an objective look at a situation. I think it's very, very interesting. I do too. And I think it also exemplifies that when we seek help, the answers are there and the helpers are there, you know, as Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. And so this person is clearly on a mission to heal some, some wounds and not only are they getting help in their waking life, but when they're sleeping, their soul is traveling to meet with their guides. I feel that at least once a week we do this. I think at least once a week we meet with our spiritual team and our dreams and we go over our soul plan and we look at the challenges and how we're handling them and and we get some advice and comfort. I, I truly believe that. Our next one says, I'm wondering what it means when crystals change temperature and also what it means when they vibrate. I wear two bracelets to work every day on my left wrist for protection. I work with many people throughout the day and tend to feel their emotions. The crystals have really helped me as I no longer feel exhausted when I come home. I should mention that I also take a shower as soon as I walk in the door, which has also made a huge difference. The bracelets both have black tourmaline. One has tiger's eye and the other has praenite. When I first got the bracelets a couple of years ago, I could feel the stones vibrating, but I don't feel the vibrations anymore. Now they will sometimes turn either really hot or cold. The reason I'm writing this is because today the bracelets were so hot, it was like burning my skin. Are these crystals telling me, okay, lady, there's only so much we can do. Any insight you have would be awesome. Okay. So this is a really great question because clearly she's doing everything she needs to do to protect herself, right? She's wearing the crystals on the left wrist. And when we wear bracelets on our left wrist, that's our receiving side. And so if you do tend to pick up emotions strongly and and you feel energy from others, If you wear a protective bracelet on your left wrist, it's going to help block that and absorb some of the hit for you, which is great. She's taking a shower as soon as she walks in the door to kind of wash off the day. So she's doing everything right. But what I don't see in this email is what is she doing to protect the crystals? You know, she's got these beautiful helper stones that are really doing a lot of work for her. But in turn, we have to have a relationship with these crystal friends And so I would recommend that she bury them in a pot of soil for a couple of days to let them rest and recharge with the earth's energy, or she could just bury them in a bowl of rice, or she could place them on a larger cluster quartz to help them recharge their energy and clear away some of the hits that they've been taking for her. Think about when you get hot and cold. I know for me, when my temperature fluctuates like that, it's because I'm either really tired and exhausted or I'm stressed out. And so these stones I think are kind of stressed out. And so they just need a little rest. That's all. And so just 
do whatever cleansing modality works for you. To me, this is more than, oh, smudge them or use your breath. To me, this, I think they need a rest. So I would recommend burying them in, in soil for a couple of days to let them really recharge and then putting them on a cluster of stones so that they can really feel that they're back among their people and, and they can recharge their energy. Oh, that's excellent, excellent advice. Our next one says, sometimes I feel like time is going faster than I can keep up with. I'm ambitious and want to do a million things each day, but in reality, I can only get a handful of tasks done in my personal life and for my business. Are there crystals that can help with time management or manifesting more time in the day? I'm going to divert that one to you, Samantha. I want to expand time. Thank you. We say this a lot. Time is a man-made constraint. It's something that we're the ones that have chained ourselves to a a clock and a daylight savings time and all these other things that happen. But I do understand when you get to the end of the day and it's like, wow, I didn't, I only got to this tiny bit of stuff, but maybe practical side of my brain is lighting up of really prioritizing those things you want to do and focusing more on balance and enjoying being present in the moment and not worrying about what you're getting done, but being, you know, what is it that they say, be here for the journey, not just the destination. It also feels like kudos to you for this ambition and this drive and this excitement about your life because it comes right through in this email that you're you're vivacious, you're alive, you want to experience as much as possible. But I guess part of that is in enjoying it as well. So what do you think, Samantha? Well, if anyone finds a crystal that gives them more time, please email me or just call me. I want to know. <laughs> I don't think there's a crystal that actually gives you more time, but there are some crystals that are good for time management, like fluorite or sodalite, because they help increase your productivity and your focus. Lodestone helps you manifest. So maybe it could help you manifest more time. Um, selenite has a very calming clearing energy so that you can engage with your time management more effectively. But I think for all of us, time feels as though it's speeding up. It's something I've been thinking a lot about. I don't know if it's because we're so distracted with our phones and so much going on in our lives. I, I don't know if that's it or if time actually is speeding up. But something that I just started doing has really, really helped me. I, I feel so busy these last few years that it's, it's an issue. And I can't get everything done on my daily to-do list. And that's an issue because I'm just always thinking, you know, I, I think I told you, Denise, I want my epitaph to read, she needed five more minutes because that's how <laughs> I feel with everything. I need, I need five more minutes to get this done before I move on to this. So one of my friends said, okay, I want you to write down everything you have to do for your job, for your home, for the kids, for your parents, like write it all down. And I was like, really? Write it all? She's like, yeah, write down everything. Well, I did. I wrote down everything I needed to do for all those aspects of my life in that week. And it was four pages. And I just printed it out and I met her for coffee and I just cried because I was like, there's no way I can get this all done. And it made me realize maybe time isn't really passing so fast. It's just that so much is expected of us, you know, and so much has been added to us. And so now I've started this new thing where every morning I write down six things that I have to get done that day. Three are personal things for my family, for my kids, for my house, for my parents. And then three are for my work stuff. And now 
usually I get a hell of a lot more stuff done than six things, right? But at least I know if I just get these six things done today, just for today, I'll be fine. And, and it feels so wonderful just checking off those things. So that's something you could try. It's, it's helped me a lot. That's wonderful. Do you feel that sense of time passing quickly? Yes. The days are, they're blending and the months go by quickly and time and, but it's not age related or what demographic you're in no. or where your location. I think you're right. We're getting bombarded with so much so fast all the time and not knowing where things are headed. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uh, if we think about each of us vibrating at our own frequency and we're trying to figure out where things are going and we put all that up into the ethers, that's a lot. That's it a is. whole lot. It is a whole lot. All right. Our next one says, I listen to your podcast faithfully every week. And let me just say how much I enjoy each episode. Well, thank you. Last night, I had a dream that I was surrounded by a whole room full of medium-sized round spheres. Most appeared like a clear crystal color but then there were some that were other shades of colors. Most all of the spheres had a glowing light inside. I was afraid at first to pick one up, but when I did, I was flooded with information and also a very healing, energizing, and living feeling. As I was holding the sphere, the word Lemurian came to me. My question is, what do you think this dream is trying to tell me? I could feel and still can close my eyes and feel the incredible energy this stone had. What do you think the glowing light in the center was? I feel like this was my sign that I need a Lemurian sphere, but I'm not sure how to get my hands on the real deal. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Well, first of all, if you do buy a Lemurian sphere, you might have to tap into your retirement fund because they are expensive. So I would recommend maybe starting out. I mean, I don't know, maybe you, you have a ton of money to spend on crystals, but Lemurians are expensive. And if you get them in a sphere shape, that's even more expensive. And I, I don't even know that I would recommend that because let me tell you the, the story as I was taught about Lemurians is that there is this legend that the Atlanteans existed and the Lemurians existed and they had a lot of esoteric spiritual knowledge and the Atlanteans were using their knowledge more for technological innovations that were harming the planet. And the Lemurians knew that this was going to end up destroying the world as they knew it. So the Lemurians took all the spiritual information and knowledge they had, and they encoded it into these quartz crystals that are almost always single terminated. Not always, just almost always. And you can tell a Lemurian because on one side, there will be very thick, prominent ridges. Now, some fake clear quartz stones are sold as Lemurian, and the ridges you're seeing are just from the tools used to cut that stone. So you do want to make sure you're going to a reputable seller, um, someone like Exquisite Crystals or Points of Light or Enter the Earth. Um, there's several crystal healing. I, I don't want to you know choose or leave anyone out, but just look around online. You'll be able to tell you can check reviews. You can ask for customer reviews and things like that to, to tell if it's a reputable seller. But what happens is that the Lemurians then buried these stones that were encoded with the spiritual information deep into the earth. And they programmed them to come to the surface of the earth only when the world was ready to receive the spiritual knowledge. And so about uh, 30 or 40 years, time is flying so fast, I'm not sure if it was 30 or 40 years ago, they did start coming to the surface of the earth. And literally people would walk mainly through Brazil and they would, they would find these little points sticking out. 
So I find the, the, the legend of the Lemurian stones absolutely fascinating. And so the thinking is that you then rub your thumb along those ridges and that information that's encoded in the crystal will be downloaded into your unconscious. And when you are ready to receive it, it will come into your conscious awareness. So if you had this dream with all of these spheres and you knew that the spheres had energy, this glowing light, I do think that this dream is trying to tell you um, that, yes, a Lemurian stone is most likely coming to you, but also that there is spiritual knowledge within you and that you just need to treat yourself almost like a glowing sphere of knowledge, you know, and, and the more you get in touch with your inner self through meditation, reflection, calming the distractions in your life, the more that light will grow and you'll be able to understand the information within you. Whenever I'm looking for a specific crystal, I will always ask my crystal guide, like, please send the right stone to me at the right time. And, and it's amazing the miracles that have happened in my life with, with how, that, how that works out. That's excellent information. And what popped into my head is, you know, uh, maybe a, a past life connection with Atlantis, Lemuria, because it feels old and deep, that connection to come through so strongly with that stone. And I don't, I don't know if there's any validity to that. And I love that you shared on how to really know if, if it's a Lemurian stone or if it's some just a piece of quartz. That's as with any industry and any, and I think it's harder for some of us as empaths when we see that people not, might not be completely honest and true with what they're presenting in their practice or their business. And crystals are... They're, they're very sacred. They're part of the earth and we need to respect that. Oh, it's so repugnant, isn't it? When, when you take such a beautiful world, like the world of crystals and sugar light is often mislabeled. Turquoise is so often blue howlite that, you know, howlite that's been dyed blue. So unethical, super seven. Oh, forget it. It's almost impossible to find true super seven. Citrine, another one. Citrine is amethyst that has reacted to heat either from sun or false heat. So natural citrine is a very different thing, but it's so yes. widely known and accepted that it's heated amethyst that most people don't have such an issue with that. But yeah, that's another one. But I do love that the stone called to her, that she felt the energy. I love that. I do too. Powerful dream. Yes. So our next one, dear ladies, sitting here, gratefully feeling awe that you offered the two podcast shows on trauma. I've been experiencing so many flashbacks accompanied by panic and anxiety of late and just figured out what was happening for me. Your podcast validated that my intuition serves me well and that I can become stronger and more empowered by speaking my truth. As a survivor of sexual abuse, I truly feel unsafe in my body, but have carved out a life that protects me by not being in an intimate relationship so that I can keep the wolves at bay. Recently, I've met a, a local man, a widower, and we're exploring a tentative friendship. He's been very much a gentleman, but my gut tells me he has a very strong sexual energy, and this is terrifying me, hence all the flashbacks. I decided yesterday that I needed to let him know what has made me pull back, and by his reaction, I'll know if he can be supportive. I know it's not easy for others to hear, but it seems that this might be a healing piece for me at age 67. Never easy. Thank you for sharing these incredibly informative and important podcasts. You have helped me so much. Well, the trauma shows weren't easy to record. 
because I think we all as empaths have triggers and memories and situations that have really left some pretty deep connections to things that we continue to work with. What pops out, and thank you for sharing your age, is it's never too late to do the work and heal. It's never too late. And the fact that you're lowering the drawbridge and building this friendship with someone on your own terms is admirable beyond words because it's scary as hell. It's scary as hell to be that vulnerable if you've been physically, mentally, or spiritually hurt, abused, uh, taken advantage of by anyone. And I'm also impressed beyond words that you're speaking your truth and saying this happened and it may be, I need more time. And, you know, one of the things, and I've shared this a lot when I read Judith Orlop's book, The Empath's Survival Guide, and I read over and over her description of empaths in relationships that we may need to do it differently. We may, may need space, we may need time. We may, and that almost gave us permission as sensitive people and empathic people to, to speak our truth and say, you may not understand this, but if we're going to do this, I have to do it this way. Beautiful, beautiful note. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. Yes. And it, it's very hopeful. And, you know, people have written and said, how do I know I've healed my trauma? One of the ways you know that you've healed it or are healing it is that new, exciting experiences and wonderful people come into your life. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that she met this gentleman at the time when she's thinking, can I heal this? You know? Okay. Yes. Okay. Our next one says, my question is, do we travel through time in our dreams? I have had a very vivid dream repeat over and over. I'm in an area of how I picture heaven, nature, green grass, wooded areas, a creek and prairies. I see both my grandmothers and another young girl that I don't recognize. We're all around the ages of 14 to 18. I know that we are sisters. We communicate telepathically. There are also several hundred people standing nearby. They seem to be in a trance. I've always thought that these are souls that have passed, but now I wonder. I've had another repeated dream where I'm in a trance-like state somewhere in another lifetime. There's another soul there, no touching. We do nothing more than stand in front of each other. It's as if we are there to comfort and help heal each other. And energy moves back and forth between us from our forehead and chest areas to each other. We cannot communicate telepathically, but we do through energy. What makes me think we may time travel in our dreams is because we both almost woke up. I could hear a woman calling a name as if she was calling in a child from the outdoors. At the same time, we both started to smile and laugh. We were in the time of a former life and somewhere out there playing as children in the exact moment. It was just a quick moment of realization. I've had many vivid dreams of this lifetime. It was the most beautiful time we had as youngsters. We're the best of friends, but as we grew up, our lifetime ended very tragically. I guess you could say it was one of the most perfect lifetimes and one of the worst. Could we really be time traveling to times that comfort us or times that we've not healed from? Okay, that's really fascinating. And I do believe that we can time travel in our dreams. I believe we can do anything. I believe we are beyond the laws of physics when our soul is out of the body. And so I think we can visit past lives, future lives. I do believe we can visit heaven and other dimensions of the other side and do all sorts of amazing things. And so this might be a situation where she is, you know, still healing from this past life that had all that tragedy in it. 
some people believe that there really aren't past lives, that it's all happening now. And so it could be that she's at this time living a parallel life that took place, I don't know, just say 200 years ago. And in the dream state, she's able to offer healing energy. I don't know, but I do believe that we are able to definitely travel in time through our dreams and really offer healing and comfort, not only to ourselves, but to other people. And there have been amazing stories that prove this. There have been books written about this. Um, I have a book coming out that really explores this in depth in the fall. And so I've been doing a lot of research on this. And, and yes, we, we do heal our soul when we are dreaming in many, many different ways. You know, I had a friend, well, I have a friend. She's one of my best friends. But when we first met, I don't know why it was the weirdest thing, Denise. Our kids were little. Olivia was three. So, and then my other was two. And then my other wasn't born yet. So our kids were very, very little. And my Olivia was best friends with her daughter. And so we were just playing in the park with the kids. And for some reason, I think I'd known her two, three months. We were talking about dreams. And I randomly told her about how when I was a little kid, I used to wake up early in the morning, like right when the sun would rise around you know, 5 a.m. And I would fall right back asleep. And I would dream that I was in this place that I knew only kids could go to. It was a place for kids. And there was just all the, I described it to her, the park and the indoor playground area and the pinball machine and the basketball hoops. And, and I'm telling her this very I don't know why it was a, such a secret story to me because I never believed as a kid that those were real dreams. I really believed that I was going to this place when I was little. And it was such a place of community and friendship and connection and just pure, playful fun. And as I'm telling her about these experiences, that went on for years until I was about 12. She's finishing my sentences. And oh. finally, I stopped talking long enough to look at her and she goes, I had the same experience growing up. And she wow. said, I went to that place over and over and over as a kid. Now she and I have similar issues, you know, with our mom and, and we had similar feelings of feeling kind of isolated from moving and stuff like that as kids. And I don't know, I I'll never, when we met, it was like, do you, you know, there's some people you meet where it's like, Oh, you're from home. I know you. And we've just been best friends ever since. And we've always said to each other, like we could go five years without talking, which, you know, we never would, but, and it would, we'd come back and it would be the same, you know, those types of friends. Yes. We just yes. have this like connection. And I wonder if she and I did travel to someplace on the other side for, for little kids. So I, I just think anything is possible when we dream and uh, research is just now starting to back that up, which is fascinating. And this listener who wrote in, and she's going to the same place. She recognizes it. She sees her grandparents and another girl that she doesn't know, her grandmother, excuse me. But she's she's definitely going somewhere specific. It's not, you know, oh, I mean, the, it's similar to, I don't dream a whole, I have been lately, dream about the where I live right now or places that other places I've lived because I've lived all over the country and I don't dream that way. And I know some people do, uh, but I, I think this is also goes along with that, that multidimensional realm theory of it's all happening here and now, but it, this is almost so similar to what you're, you're describing you and your friend experienced. 
So do I think that it's there to help us grow and evolve and figure stuff out? hundred percent, but I don't see why you wouldn't be going to another timeline in a dream. Yeah, I don't either. I think our souls, it's like that story I've told before where I think it's uh, Eli Wiesel who wrote the story, but it, but it's a famous Jewish legend. So I have I have this, I've got to find this book. It's a book of children's stories. And this is one of them that's in there where God created the, the souls and he's sending them to earth. And they said, God, we don't want to go. We're going to miss you. And God says, well, I'm going to miss you too, but don't worry. Every night when you sleep, you come home to me. Oh. And I just think that's what happens when we dream. I think I think we go home and, and home can be a lot of things, right? Like if there's seven, nine, 10 rooms in your home, think about, you know, Jesus said there are many mansions in my father. You know, I, I think home can be many things in that dream state. We can go to a very happy past life or parallel life. We can go to people we knew in other lifetimes or there's a belief that our soul tribe, our true soul family, that half of them will always remain on the other side while the other half reincarnates so that they can help and cheerlead and uplift the souls on earth, right? Kind of like if you're running a marathon, you're always going to have people on the sidelines with water and, and towels to help you out. And so I wonder if one of these people that she didn't recognize in her waking life is really part of her soul family. And so her soul's just going home, different versions, different areas of her home to just recalibrate and rest and, and, and get that wind beneath her wings back up and going. This would be a good example of why it might be helpful to keep a dream journal to see, if, is there a pattern when she goes to this place? Is there something happening in her daily life here, this lifetime, this timeline that is they're trying to let her see a pattern or a connection or she needs that respite from what's going on here but it would be yeah that would be interesting to see very very interesting stuff uh our next one i wrote in a few months ago about the struggles i experienced with my narcissistic mother samantha i just wanted to thank you for your response on the show because i really needed to hear what you said you mentioned at one point how sometimes you and your sisters will talk about how hard it must be for people to deal with parents like this if they don't have other siblings. To answer that, it is extremely hard. I try my absolute best to keep the pity party decorations in the closet, but I can't lie to myself and say that I don't want to hang them up during moments when I'm overwhelmed. But I know that route doesn't help at all. In my case, I'm actually not an only child, but I lost my big sister in a car accident during my freshman year in college 10 years ago. When my sister passed, I was devastated. Picture the tower card. I didn't know how to cope with my mom other than completely building up a wall around myself to keep her out. Flash forward and now I have a family of my own and my second child on the way. I'm a completely different person than that 18 year old college student 10 years ago. But I go through days where I yearn for my sister's support and to just have the opportunity to tell her how hard it is to deal with my mom, that I'm so tired, I'll desperately want to talk to her, but I can't reach her by simply twiddling my thumbs across the screen of my phone. And it will be like this for the rest of my life because that's grief and I've accepted that, but it doesn't make it any easier sometimes. And uh, this listener goes on to say that we did a reading together and we were able to connect with her sister and that her sister acknowledged how hard it's been for her, for this woman, for this person, but that she's always there for her. And I think that's the beautiful 
healing power of, of connecting with our loved ones in spirit is to realize they still want to be there and support us and help us. And they see what's going on. The love, it's that love connection. They don't just go and, and leave us without still having our back. No, they definitely don't. And I love the way she describes her process of grief that she's accepted it, but it's always going to be there. And I, and I think that's really important. I'm so glad that Denise, you were able to give her the validation that her sister is there and helping her from the other side. And I think that's incredibly comforting. I do think it's difficult to deal with narcissistic mothers, uh, whether no matter what, no matter what the situation, but to do it um, on your own is really hard. And so I, I really hope that you're able to get some help that you that you need, you know, whether it's whether it's a best friend that you can confide in or a therapist or your journal, but just some outlet so that, you know, throw that damn pity party for yourself. Don't you think? Yes. I mean, why are we trying so hard to be so strong and self-contained and heroic all the time? I mean, sometimes life just sucks and it's okay to throw that pity party. It really is. Even if it's by yourself, yeah. just go take a walk, scream, hit a pillow, do something to release that and say out loud, or it's not fair. Why the hell is this happening to me? Sometimes we need that release, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need to be able to rage and cry and mourn and, and get it out. Those negative emotions need our attention every bit as much as our positive emotions do. It's always, as a medium, you can validate this as well. It's always such an honor to bring through a message from spirit that helps someone that's here. I think that that service aspect of doing this work is such a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. Okay. Can I end on a lighthearted note after that heaviness? Please. Okay. It's in line with this question, I promise. So uh, my narcissistic mother announced last week that she's mad at me for some made up thing I, I did not say. And oh. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so she called me and said uh, that she's done and, and doesn't want to talk to me or see me for, for a good long while. I said, okay. And I hung up the phone and I looked at my curls and I said, I feel like I've just been let out of prison and I'm on parole. Like I'm not off totally, but I'm on parole for a little while. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? I do feel guilty. I need to go to confession. But that was my first thought was, whew, I got a little, little breather. So sometimes, you know, it's not bad to have a narcissistic mother because they'll lash out. They'll get mad at you for something you didn't actually even do, but then you get a little break. That was not as lighthearted as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's maybe spirit stepped in a little bit and said, we need to give Samantha a little bit of a buffer here. And we're going to just kind of nudge her mother to go in this narcissistic direction a little bit more than usual. I don't she know. She don't need a nudge. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we hope that you guys have enjoyed these questions. We had some heavy ones this month, didn't we? Oh, very much so. But the world has been heavy. So just know that we're all in this together and we'll get through. Yes, we will. And, you know, sometimes when, when I feel this way that everyone is dealing with so much, 
you know, sometimes it's nice to just do something in your own way that makes you feel that, that you're, that you're feeding the light and not the darkness. And so maybe we could all agree this week to just do some kindness for someone just as a way of sharing that kindness with everyone listening along with us, just kind of to do something nice for other people and just send it out, you know, offer it up as, as the nuns at my school used to say, offer it up, Samantha, (laughs) and and just offer it up so that we can, we can really share this, this light and this hope and this feeling of renewal that, and comfort that I think we all are needing right now. Um, As a reminder, please do send us any questions or stories you'd like to share with us and any dream visitation stories you've had so that we can continue building a really great uplifting show of spirit validation through dreams. You can always email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com or you can message us on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you guys so much and we're so grateful that you all join us each and every week. If you like the show, please consider rating us or leaving us a kind review or telling a friend. And don't forget to connect with us on social media. And remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.